In this week's episode of Everyday Inspirational Podcast, we have the lovely Denise, who is a leadership and emotional intelligence coach who currently helps and coaches inspire Christian corporate women to transform their everyday corporate challenges into success. And you will hear Denise's inspirational story of how she lost a year of her life and now has gained it back. to the Everyday Inspirational Podcast and can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hello Sam, yes I am Denise Barkleton, I am a leadership coach regarding uh, the area of emotional intelligence and at the moment I do coach quite a number of different types of people but the current niche that I'm focusing on is uh, the the ladies who are corporate Christian women to help them actually, you know, develop and help their corporate areas and sectors to really succeed when they step out into a big open space that they need to. Um, currently living in the Midlands in the UK, England, and at the moment it's beautiful sunshine. And I have lived here pretty much all my life. Uh, except for maybe about four or five years when I lived abroad in Jamaica with my mum, but uh, pretty much lived here all my life. So uh, yeah, it's one of the areas that I'm really enjoying doing and helping to fulfil women's lives. Wonderful. And so what is your inspirational story that you would like to share if you want to start and let our audience hear your inspirational story? Great. Thank you, Sam. So the inspirational story was really what I entitled how I lost an entire year of my life, actually. And the reason why I wanted to share this is because um, what happened was almost nearly 10 plus years ago now, I was typically working as a corporate woman and as a woman, a Christian woman of faith as well. My weekend was filled with doing things and activities for home and for family. I was also doing things for work and I was also doing things for church. So I was pretty busy. And on this particular Saturday, I was actually doing uh, an implementation of a project that was about to go live that weekend. And we traveled away from where we were, probably another 50 odd miles away to, um, for me to be on the phone. Then I would join in with a particular session and then I was meant to go on stage. So the morning was filled with me doing this particular project and implementing it and talking to my team and getting them to tick all the boxes and turn on everything that needs to be turned on, ready for a live implementation. And I was in IT at the time, so this implementation was worth almost a quarter of a million pounds. So it was expensive, it was a lot of money and we couldn't get it wrong. So. Uh, I was on the phone, I was talking to the team, and it went absolutely swimmingly well. And then I thought, you know something, it's nearly two o'clock, I hadn't had lunch yet. So I went into the room, so now I'm still away from home, I've made all these calls, we've put this thing live, then I went into this room where there was a bunch of women who I know very well anyway, but they were all having a little mini women's meeting. 
And that was going from around about two o'clock to about four o'clock. So I thought, you know something, I really need to eat now. It's now 2 p.m. I should be having breakfast and lunch by now, right? No, I was only just having something to eat, which was not good. But I had something to eat and then I joined the women in that women's group. It was like a little church women's group. We were all uh, wives of ministers and we were just catching up and having a good time and laughing about various things. And it was then time for me to sort of wrap up and get ready to leave because between four and five, I needed to actually touch base with the team who were going to be singing an evening session that we were going to have it was an evening conference so I then had the time where I thought right let's get all the songs double checked and the musicians in play and the stage was all set and I, we, that was all tick 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 all great so then round about 5 five thirty, it was time for me to go on stage and I went up and the first song started singing, started moving around and dancing a little bit, and it was all good. Um, and then it was time for the second song. And the second song was quite a fast song, so I started singing and so on and so forth. And the song kept on going slower and slower and slower. And I, I looked at the musicians and I thought, what are you doing? Why are you slowing this thing down? <laughs> We've actually practiced this and rehearsed this to the max. You are slowing down. Then they kind of gave me a look and I thought, okay, maybe it's me. So then we went on to the third song and started singing and the whole crowd was joining in. By now we had about, probably about 250 people in the hall, in the room. Uh, myself on stage with about four other people, plus musicians. And then I realized that I kept on slowing down again. And the backup singers were making up for me singing too slow not realizing that I was slurping in my mouth and I was almost as if it was like a stroke. And then I realized I blacked out completely. So at some point, and I don't know how long after that, when I kind of came to, I realized there were people around me and all I heard was get her husband, get her husband. And then I blacked out again. And then I didn't know anything more until I woke up in hospital in that city that I was 50 plus miles away from home and realized I hadn't come to for hours. So it was pretty frightening to say the least. Uh, yes, I had had a busy day. I'd been juggling balls. I'd been juggling a corporate activity. I'd been juggling a Christian activity. And as a woman, and my children were all at this conference as well at the same time, they were in their, let me think, our kids were seven, nine, and 11 at the time. And all three of them were at that conference, saw what had happened. So they were pretty scared, to say the least. Bless them. So they were not around the bedside at all. They were under the care of my sister for that evening and it wasn't until maybe about 10 p.m. that night when I finally saw the consultant. So they checked my bloods, they checked urine, they checked heartbeat, ECGs, all the typical things that you'd expect to check and everything was as if 
I was an Olympic sprinter. It was just bizarre. <laughs> so we couldn't understand what was wrong. I was still feeling awful. And he decided I just needed to go home. And therefore, if at least if it happened again, at least I'd be home or nearer to home, at least in a hospital nearby. So then we decided to go home. And during that week, I think it probably happened another three or four times whilst I was either woken up, maybe about seven o'clock in the morning, it would happen again. It happened again when I was driving and I didn't realize what I was doing. And then that was one of the reasons I had to be banned from driving as well. And then it would happen again another time that week when I went on stage to talk about something just to give an announcement. and. I just collapsed there and then and had to be taken into another room. So I still couldn't work out what was wrong. And, it, you know, it didn't really dawn on me until it was maybe, so this was maybe the February, maybe about the March or April. I remember talking to my boss on the phone and his name was Andy. He was brilliant. So he turned to me and said, Denise, so we've been doing this particular activity at work and we're missing you obviously and then he just droned Sam now I, I say it sounded like a drone because my mind my mental state my understanding and even my cognitive thinking was not coping with what he was saying and then after about 10-15 minutes he said so what do you think to me and I had to turn around to him and say Andy you're gonna have to start again or call me back because I have not, I've heard what you've said, but my listening and cognitive thinking has completely changed and I'm not taking in what you're saying at all. So it was that that really dawned on me that something's just not right. So thereafter, I went through every test that you could think of from a neurological perspective, mental perspective, um, they still even checked heart and lungs in case it was one of the major organs that was showing symptoms of something that they still just couldn't work out what it could be. But they still couldn't identify what it was. And it's funny because now I have heard about chronic fatigue. I've heard about fibromyalgia. I've heard about um, just, you know, deep major stress. I remember at the time I said to the doctor, I said, just call it stress. Because back in that day, you, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't even write down stress on your sick note. It was a boo-boo. No way would you ever do that. You wouldn't want anybody to know that you had a mental health problem. But I even asked them, please write down depression, write down stress, write down something to help me understand what it is I'm going through. Have I actually burned out? But something has happened that's made me think from a corporate perspective and sector-wise, where can I ever work again if I can't even have a 10-minute conversation with my boss? And it really made me think about my lifestyle, my timing, how I eat, whether I exercise or not. Do I get dressed properly or just do I, do I just drag things on and just get going? How do I get myself ready for bed? How do I awake? What meditation do I do? How do I show up for my kids? Am I really, really there 
or not? And it just created so many questions in my head. And at the same time, I was still taking pills. I was still having tests. And I decided, no, enough is enough. I do not want to go through this anymore. I do, I'm sick and tired of feeling like this. And I'm sick and tired of not being able to have conversation. I would not, Sam, be able to even have this conversation with you now at all. I would have finished after the maybe two, three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would have to ask you, what did I say? Whereas now the recovery period has really been a mental state of making a decision that I don't want to have my body acting like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And and I know a lot of people say, you know, mind over matter, but actually I'm living proof that that can happen. I'm living proof that you can actually be really strong in your mind and allow your mind to force, in some ways force, quote unquote, your body to start becoming and acting how it should be. In order to do that, I had to implement a lot of things to make me happier. <laughs> and it was simple things like, take the time out, Denise, to have a decent meal. Think about the way you're eating your meal. Take the time out to get up, get dressed, have on bright clothes, comb your hair, look amazing. Even if you're going nowhere, show up for yourself. <laughs> I even then uh, decided, gosh, on the occasion when I was driving and blanked out, obviously the BVLA had to tell me you cannot drive anymore, so I hadn't driven for a whole year either. I could have died. It could have turned into an accident. And I thought, gosh, my kids have no idea what I've done in my life, really. At 7, 9, and 11, how many children at that age can genuinely say they know exactly what their parents have done? So what I wanted to do is put together a book that says, this is what Denise has done. These are my goals. These are what I have attempted to do. This is what I have fulfilled in my life. So that if I ever died, and I'm being really serious, because I thought that I would have died very soon. If I ever died, I wanted my kids to have a legacy of what their parents have done, including their mum. And so I dedicated this, thank you. So I dedicated the book to them, obviously, but in it is a book that basically describes, okay, what have been my goals in my life? Why did I want that goal? What is the picture of that goal? And what inspired me to have that goal? And when did I achieve it? So that as they go through each page, if I died, they would be able to see, yes, mom did that, and she did that, and she achieved that. And they could see it all in one place. But I couldn't find it anywhere, Sam. So I had to create it myself. Um, and that's why I, I have my book now, Picture Your Dreams, Goals and Plans. So now I really um, have a, a real inspiration for corporate. I have a real inspiration for Christian women that they show up, that they don't spread themselves so thin that they're no good for themselves and they're no good for their corporate world either. And so, sorry, Sam, go so, ahead. No, so I mean that's amazing. Your story is is so amazing, and for our listeners now, so um, what is it that that you've used these lessons for? What is it that you do, and how do you 
where you're now in your life and uh, how you incorporate mm. in your lessons in your life now? Yes, yeah, so now in my life, interestingly, I've moved on to, since then, I've gone into two different corporate sectors. So I've got into, at the time I was in utilities, then I, after that I went into automotive, <laughs> and then I went into, uh, now I'm in um, rail and construction. Very, very different areas completely, but it just goes to show that if you can get your mental and physical and emotional and spiritual state all balanced and in tune, you can be a successful person in whatever area that you're in. Uh, so one of the lessons for me was one is try to recognize when it's just too much. Just try to recognize it. And so what I teach is when to know when too much when it's too much before it's too much because i got to the point where obviously something was too much remember i didn't have a diagnosis so i don't ever even know if this would ever come back but i had to just remember denise maybe you were just doing too much cut down be aware of your timing watch out for the signs in your body and just slow down one mother other lessons that I have is you can still be a powerful and impacting individual as a Christian and not have to comply and be stepped on or stepped over because some people just think of some people who have faith as you know walkovers and that's not necessarily true so I teach people to embrace their skills and their abilities and their talents and use their emotional intelligence if they understand themselves really really well then actually they can supersize how they deliver and they can actually help their companies to make a lot of money. They can actually make the sales go up. They can do really well in business because you're embracing your, your skills and your talents and really taking note of them. Another one I wanted to share with your listeners as well is don't let your self-confidence supersede you keep an eye on when you're just so self-confident that actually you are not keeping an eye on your mental state or your physical state because you're super super well but actually you might be uh, not giving another part of yourself the attention uh, that it needs and um, so some people who think, oh gosh, I'm not very self-confident, what do I do, need to be coached. But also the person who is super confident also needs to be coached because they may be allowing another part of their life to be depleted. And that's not good either. So I hope that helps some of your listeners actually with you know, just keeping an eye on how they are, what they're doing, and um, how they can be helped as well if they spot any of those signs. Well, I think that's amazing. And you've given so much um, advice there and so much knowledge um, in what you do um, in your career just now. If there was one thing, just one thing that you would leave our listeners with, um, what would it be? If there was one thing I'd probably go back to what I call the whole person. If you were to take a circle and cut it into four quadrants, 
I would split those into the emotional part of you, mental part of you, physical part of you, spiritual part of you. Look after and balance all quadrants because if one is hurting, the others are hurting as well, or you will be imbalanced. So keep an eye on all four quadrants of your life. That would be my biggest lesson. Well, that's amazing. And again, I just want you to say thank you, Denise, for joining us on this session. And we'd just like to say goodbye. And we will see you next time when you're listening to the Everyday Inspiration podcast. Thank you.